Uh, hello, and happy Thanksgiving to all of our fans, uh, both on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, today we got a we got a special group of people in the house. We got the Sofa Brothers and their spiritual uncle and tennis mentor, at least tennis fanaticism mentor, named Mr. Mark Gilman. So I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. Uh, uh, how'd you guys do? Not not so much on on any other part of it, but just on the eating part. How, how would you guys rank your your eating performance on Thanksgiving. And, I, and I'll give you a trio of options. You, you could say you're JV. You could be like just varsity and, you know, hope that one or two players gets injured and then you get in the match or, or elite varsity. <laughs> so, I'll go first. Um, I would say I was varsity, but I was hardworking, starting lineup varsity, but not elite varsity. And the only reason I got into the starting lineup wasn't from talent, it was from work ethic. Um, I, I was very full at the end of the meal. I had two slices of pie. I had apple and pumpkin pie. Um, and I had uh, two portions of turkey and sweet potatoes, but only one portion of everything else. And so um, when I think of elite varsity, I think of... Um, yeah, I guess the the massive like four 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 full plates of, of of piled on top, but I was I was proud of my performance. Yeah. Do, do you do you factor in uh, length of performance as well? I mean, or is it just just mass consumption? Like, do so you consider like you're like, like ounces per minute? No, your table stamina, your ability to just sort of even if you're pacing yourself, just not. To, to make eating the sort of, you know, primary focus for an extended period of time. Oh, yeah. And I guess you can add in as, like, as another angle in terms of your table presence. Like, how, 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 dominant, how dominant are you in the conversation? What your, uh, what your, uh, how proud you are of your comments? Yeah. That's a good one. Um, so I would actually say that I was... Sorry, that's, uh, I think Ace, Mark's son has a dominant table he's, presence right now. The thing is, he he's trying to he's trying to give a little input on the ranking. So <laughs> it feels like I'm about to overrank myself, and he was pretty disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would call myself um, junior varsity because I was in France. Um, it was actually a really 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 nice meal. My uh, my college roommate his family was in town and they invited me to like a five course dinner with them and uh the food was really good we had foie gras we had uh we had like uh chicken we had uh souffle we had a cheese plate but there was nothing thanksgiving about it and also uh my personal performance was extremely bad because uh i I don't drink wine very fast, so at the end of the meal, there were three glasses of wine in front of me because they were pairing each each uh, plate with like a glass of wine, and uh, they were very expensive wines too, and so like uh, my friend's dad was just like, "Philip, are you seriously not going to drink this like extremely expensive wine?" And so at the end of the meal, after the dessert. I chugged three glasses of wine in succession to make him happy. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you came through. You were down a couple games, came through in the end. Yeah. yeah. 
I'm almost tempted to say that's also the because you, I feel like you you adjusted your game based on the based on what your opponent was throwing at you. Yeah, you know you can only sort of you can only deviate from from like the, the style that's the encore style so much. But you know, I guess you're being a little hard. I also yourself. think if you get like probably a two hundred dollar dinner paid for um, by someone else, you're doing all right. You've played. Yeah, you've played but, your hand. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind getting your JV letter on that one. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a Thanksgiving hand, though. So I feel like, on the one hand, you can only beat the opponent in front of you, and you were able to beat the opponent in front of you. But there is that off-season work that positions you, right? And I guess you just didn't do the off-season work to position you to, to beat a, a more Thanksgiving-oriented opponent. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, no, that's what I thought. It's not like you've been more they have the off-court work as well. So I, I flew to to our meal. We flew from Miami to to New York on Thanksgiving. So I feel like and I I didn't I didn't load up on the pretzels. So I felt like I was really well stretched coming in, and I outlasted. Even though we were one of the last to the table, I outlasted everybody else. So <laughs> I, I feel good about it. I feel good about my. I feel good about my volume, and I feel good about my staying power. And I actually, I think I did three different types of pie. One of which I still don't know what it was. I was, I thought it might even be a, a, a real food stuff, so I ate it. But, uh, but I, but I feel good. I feel like I. There were a couple injuries, so I had to play number seven instead of number five, number nine, and and I won my match. So I feel good. <laughs> well, Solid. So speaking of Thanksgiving turkeys, I don't know. Should, how can how can we? How can we bring this into the tennis fold? Any way we can combine peanut butter and chocolate here? What do you think? Um, I think, so, the White House, it has a history of pardoning a turkey um, at Thanksgiving. And so, perhaps we can name a few turkeys, or people who had turkey-type seasons on the ATP, <laughs> and then choose to pardon one of them. That's a great, that's a lot to choose from. Uh, what? How many do we get to choose each? I mean, I could think of four or five off the top of my head. But what? Let's just, just to make the pardoning decision not as complicated. Let's. What, what's a good amount per person here? Yeah, let's just do two each. Two That's, each. Right? Jack, Jack Sock doesn't count because he's too easy. To, uh, and there's no way he gets pardoned. Yeah, he, he, his crime was so heinous that he just doesn't get pardoned. Yeah. Because before we get into that, like, can you explain to me? I was just stro- I was uh, browsing through Tennis Channel. And they said that he's accumulated enough challenger tournament points to get an automatic qualification for the Australian Open. When did that happen? He was at the top of the list. Huh. I mean, he's like 106th in the world. So I don't know where the cutoff is. Is it direct entry into the main draw or to the challenger draw? No, it's a direct entry into the main draw based on your challenger the amount of points you've accumulated in challenger tournaments for U.S. players. So he, he's definitely ahead of others who are who are probably in the top 60 or 70. Did he play challenger huh. events, or did they give him challenger points for the fact that he lost in the qualifiers of, of Wimbledon tune-up, or did they give him points from the doubles that he was somehow able, kind of like points on a credit card, he was able to use it and, and, and maybe, yeah, use some of the doubles points for a challenger ranking in singles because it just so seemed... My two, my two uh, hypotheses are, 
I think, but maybe maybe doubles can sort of give you some sort of like bankable credits for singles <laughs> tournaments. Um, but also, maybe he was able to. Uh, maybe he rose up the challenger ranks really fast and had some like unused like. Yeah, points to burn or whatever. Yeah, they never apply. That makes sense. Maybe it's like a multi-year thing. Yeah, I don't but get it. Weird. Yeah. Weird, okay. weird. Well, who are you, so Turkey? Since he's, off, off, since he's off the list, we can we can just go around. Phil, it was a good question you posed. Do you, do you feel like you have two? Yeah, yeah. Off the top of your head? So uh, my number one um, is a real. He he likes to eat like a turkey. Um, Nick Curios. He's always posting like photos of himself eating like pizza and fries and that kind of stuff um and it's inexcusable considering that he's number 35 in the world and i guess at the beginning of the year he was coming off of an elbow injury and i'm actually like uh he might not have like fully recovered from it but i mean it didn't seem like he was like doing everything in his power to like be 100 percent physically um, yeah, he just had a terrible year. Like, uh, last year he made the finals of a Masters 1000 and had some results. Um, and then he just, like, didn't build off of that. Yeah, makes sense. And then my second one is also, like, a perennial turkey. Um, Ernest <laughs> Golbis uh, is, uh, 96 in the world. This guy is a former French Open semifinalist. He's beaten, like, all of the best players on a good day. But he just, like, loses first-round qualifiers, like, like 20 out of 26 weekends a year. <laughs> and it's also, it's just, like, uh, the only excuse is just lack of effort, because he's talented. Uh, I, I, I think I, um, I may be wrong, but I think Goldness is the guy who once won a mass, like, a, a, a 500-level tournament. And then, sp- then spent the entire his entire winnings from that tournament at like either a strip club or a um, casino, like the next night. Um, I think he's Latvian. I think, and from what I recall, he has an extremely wealthy family. Yeah. And so he doesn't have like the the same sort of like motivation that I think a lot of others might. Yeah, I've heard that too. But it's kind of a shame because he's extremely talented and should not be as low in the no. rankings as he is. Yeah, technically shouldn't be below Schwartzman, but that's <laughs> more ways than one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that should be the benchmark. Like you got to be ahead of. Him. So uh, I guess Pete, Peter, how about you? Um, so I, uh, I'm not following instructions a hundred percent. I'm not picking people based on having a, had a turkey season and I'm actually choosing three people and I'm choosing them based on who looks most like a turkey. Um, and so my three are uh, Andy Murray, um, Bill Simone, and Andre Rublev. I think Andy Murray looks the most like a turkey of those three. Rublev Definitely. looks more like a skeleton. Yeah, he's definitely bobbles and gobbles like a turkey as well. Yeah, think, he has um, that Adam's apple. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sure. Long hustles and like a turkey. He's 
got a giblet right there. He's got the, uh, the attitude of a turkey. Yeah, he's got the cantankerousness. <laughs> Those are some solid ones. This will be this will be a tough pardoning choice. What about you, Mark? I'm not going on look, so that they could probably both look the part. I just I, and I didn't watch the end of last year at all. I just remembered either hearing from you guys in the chat or or looking at the headlines the next day and seeing the GoFan and and Dimitrov were in the finals of the ATP year-end event. So I figure if you are like the kind of the last two standing, at least there. You got to carry some momentum up, uh, carry some momentum into the next year. But I think both those guys pretty much laid an egg. It's certainly in the Grand Slams, so I'm going to give them both. And I think Goffin can can kind of. Um, I don't want to get on any of his his hobbies necessarily, but he could probably grow his hair out and look a little turkeyish. So <laughs> there may be some in terms of turkey basting, he could probably base the turkey, but. <laughs> Absolutely based the turkey, but I'll, 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 both of those, I'm, I'm nominating. I think as, he, as this was the year he learned to stuff the turkey. <laughs> For sure. Dress and stuff the turkey. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess who do we pardon? Who, who do we feel like we need to cut him a little bit of slack? Because maybe there were some extenuating circumstances. Um, I don't think either of my turkeys deserve it. Um, <laughs> of Peter's turkeys, um, the only one I'm really counting is Andy Murray because the others, Rublev doesn't. The he was like legit injured, and Simone actually had a pretty good season. Um, and then with Mark's turkeys, uh, Dimitrov deserve does not deserve a pardon. It was unpardonable. Ending up 19 in the world with his talent. Um, yeah, so I'm tempted to say Goffin or Murray. What about you guys? You say Dimitrov finished at 19? Yeah, Dimitrov was 19 in the world. Uh, Goffin was 22 in the world. But Finish. Goffin was like injured for like a, a okay. portion of the season. Mm-hmm. Who was Murray ranked? Uh, good question. What's the best you did in a tournament the whole year? Murray? Yeah. Third round of, uh, second round of the U.S. Open. And then the big one, and then did he, did he make to any of these little ones? Did he make to the finals of anything, or no? No, he, he had, like, various good results. Like, he'd beat somebody in the first round, but then lose in the second round. Yeah, maybe we'd pardon Goffin, then, since he based the turkey anyway. <laughs> <laughs> should, we give him, should we give him a one-year pardon? Yeah, let's give Goffin a one-year pardon. Um... <laughs> Murray was, was even though he he was he was recovering from an injury to be fair, but he had no real results this year, and he um and he was hanging out a lot with Nick Kyrgios off the court, which could not be good for you. Uh, but he was a funny announcer in Wimbledon. Oh, and that's I think true. That's, that's true. We could do a co-pardon then. Yeah, we'll co-pardon. They can hold hands, but that's it's, a, it's a, they're on a short leash, so we may revisit the pardoning mid-year. Yeah, so. yeah, good, good call. Yeah, so so, so who would you give your who would you give your comeback player of the year to? Would you give it to? Would you give it to? Does Joker get comeback player of the year and player of the year? Do you give it to Nisha Corey? Do you give it to Del Potro just because he, even though he didn't have a major injury, he 
certainly had to deal with some, and, and he climbed that ladder pretty solidly the whole year. Who, who would you give her? Or somebody else, like, like a Simone, who would you give it to? Um, the easy choice would be Djokovic, but let's say, okay, excluding Djokovic, who's the comeback player of the year. Uh, probably Nishikori. He's top 10 in the world right now. and He started out in the 20s. What would you guys say? It's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember watching a match or two in the spring. He looked like he was a second-tier player. I don't know if Peter and I, that was the day Peter came with me to the to the Miami Open. Like Maybe we went a couple of days later, but Delbert spanked him in like the first or second round. He didn't. He looked like somebody who didn't deserve to be seen at and then, what did he make? The quarters of three, three majors, at least two. Yeah, yeah, he made um, at least the U.S. Open. He was in the—I forget the number, but he—he he had some. Semis he had a good the season. Semis of the U.S. Open, and then at least quarters of the other. So yeah, he was. We'll give it to him. Yeah, let's see. I'm I'm pulling him up right now. Uh, he made semis of the U.S. Open, quarters of Wimbledon. Yeah. He's had a good second half of the season. Um, what about like uh, other takeaways from the season? What about the best match of the season? Well, he probably didn't stick around. For, I mean, some would argue that it would be Isner Anderson, right? Just by virtue of length. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, but anyone who watches the match would not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess Joe Joe Joker and Nadal in Wimbledon, two days of like just elite tennis. Yeah. Maybe each of them probably. Uh, there's two points they'd like to have back, but if there's two points you'd like to have back over, over eighty games or whatever they played, probably ninety games. That's that would seem to be really really high level. What the, was that? The quarters or the semis? Or whatever. That was the finals. The semis, whatever you want yeah. to call. It. They might as well just call it the finals. So that that I think was also unexpected. I don't think people expected them to be paired against each other in the semis. So I think the high high quality tennis and. And the stage, but that's probably the match of the year. There's probably something on clay too that um, Delpo, Delpo, Nadal, and Wimbledon. I mean, Nadal might have been in the four best matches of the year. The team match, the Katznikov match. I mean, those were like four probably the top. Yeah, Nadal was in like yeah, he was in the four best. Yeah, because that Delpo match in Wimbledon was so good, and that team match was insane at the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of non-Nadal matches because Nadal was just worse. Um, I think there was a uh, Zverev Sissipas match that was that was um, decided in a tiebreak that was um, where Sissipas came back from like five two down um, in the second set, down a set five two and won the match. Um, I think there was also. A uh, Federer Djokovic match, like towards the end of the season. Yeah, in Paris. Oh yeah, yeah, seven six in the third. Yeah. Yeah, in Paris, where Djokovic was serving 90 percent first serves, <laughs> the entire third set. Um, and that was kind of a surprise because Federer had been uh, no match for Djokovic. It had not been playing like he'd be a match for Djokovic. Um, and. Then in Miami, I think I remember um, the Zverev is their match in the final was really good. Yeah. Uh, good stuff. Do you guys, so speaking of American tennis, 
I mean, is, is there any, is there a reason for hope? Is Ismir just the only one who sort of still keeps the conversation interesting? Uh, do, do you think that Fritz and, um, and uh, Tiafo have really turned a corner and, and can, can make it or stay in the top 30? What, what do you see? Is, do you feel like maybe next year is a do-or-die year for, for, for men's tennis as a whole? We obviously were good at doubles, but singles is the opposite extreme. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think it is sort of we'll know a lot more next year about Tiafo and Fritz because they're still young. Um, I don't think either of them is going to be like number one in the world, but I think uh, both have both could be top ten players at some point. Um, they're both extremely talented. Um, but yeah, in terms of Americans winning Grand Slams, I just don't see an American who's going to do that. The, yeah, I wouldn't even future. base it on that, but more just that they can, that you know, they can be in the conversation, they can be consistently in like around the sixteen, steal a Masters one thousand like Isner did at Miami this year, you know, just just be, be tough outs. I don't know if they're tough outs yet. I mean, Isner's always a tough out. He may be in queries. I don't know. If, you know, he occasionally just pulls a match of his life, but it seems like. I guess maybe those the, the the guys in their middle twenties aren't doing aren't doing much. I guess the young guys, kind of like with everybody else on the tour, they kind of you know the stars seem to skip a generation. So I guess the same thing applies. Like American men's tennis is a microcosm of the tour as a whole. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think what you're getting at is like we have a lot of guys who can have a really really strong match, but not consistently so. So is anyone going to become a consistent force? Um, and I, I guess we're looking at, like, that's been Quarry's, like, career so far. Like, and yeah, can beat anybody, but he's never really been considered, like, consistently elite. Um, but, yeah, I guess we're looking at Fritz and we're looking at Tiafo And um, they're still young. Hopefully they yeah. can make that's what the leap is. Like you look at Sits the Pass and he's made the leap because he's extremely consistent. Yeah. Um, what are what are some other storylines? I guess this is the third year in a row Sverev has been in the top five. All's well that ends well. So I, I mean I think he he cleaned up his mess pretty well at the end of the year. Although I, I, I thought he had lost to uh, he lost to Silich in the first match of the tournament, so I didn't see how he even qualified for the semis. No, he like lost he to Djokovic um, in straight sets. He got crushed no, by Djokovic. Won? Yeah, I thought he lost to Silich in his first match, but he must have come back and won that. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He also has a 6-1 six, six head-to-head against Cilic. So Cilic is the guy who Djokovic, or who's there, of, like, owns. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you look, you know, he... I think he can probably give himself like a B plus for the year. He's got to he's got to win five sets. I mean, he's got to show that he can win three sets on the same day, which he hasn't shown enough of yet. Maybe he'll get there. Uh, you know, I think the jury's out. He gave himself a little momentum, but then again, that means the expectations are high again. He didn't do very well with high expectations at the beginning of the year, so I, I think that. In one sense, it's a double-edged sword. There's a little more pressure on him again, but 
he is young and, and he's he's played well in you know in, in, on all on all the surfaces. So give him credit there. He has over six thousand points in his Grand Slam results. As like his best Grand Slam result is a quarterfinal. Like that's a really good. He's been yeah. really good outside of the Grand Slams. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a big year for him because you got to kind of get to a semis or a finals by the time you're 22 or 23. I'm not saying win it, but you got to get there at least. Yeah. And his grand slam results have been doubly hot because it's not like he's losing all his, his matches in five sets, right? Like, he's losing a lot of these matches in three sets. It's not like he's winning the first set all the time. It's not like, not like fitness... It's not yeah. like there's clear signs that fitness is the thing that's holding him back. It's just he he loses. Yeah, it's got to be a find a way to make a second adjustment in the match. Like it seems like he bends and then breaks pretty quickly, but the key is getting him to bend in the first place. Oh yeah, that's a good point. So, uh, do you guys think that? I mean, not that we have to make the predictions now. Do you think that it will play itself out? The, what those three guys have won the last eight majors, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, is that correct? Just just the tub, the big three have won the last eight majors. So, do you think that it'll play itself out exactly the way it did this year? Do you think Australia is up for grabs for like five or six different players? I mean, Paris is pretty much uh, on auto, you know, on auto on um, on auto renew. So, other than that, it seems like the other three tournaments are in play, but are they in play? Um, go ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. You go first. I'm looking up the number, the number in a row. Yeah, yeah. So it was the last eight because Stan was the last non-big four winner of the Grand Slam, and it was the okay, U.S. Open yeah. 2016. Other than that, who was the before Stan? Who was the last? It was Stan again in 2015 French Open. Okay. And Murray won um, Wimbledon 2016. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, Djokovic is just clearly in a league of his own right now. And so he's just the clear favorite in everyone. So you take the French off the table because either Nadal or Djokovic is going to win that. Um, unless team, I guess team, yeah, if he, true. like, brings it. Um, he's yeah. not going to get through both of those guys, though, in one tournament. He'd have to get an upset. I mean, he could take out one of them. Because if he comes in fresh, but not broke, I don't think. Yeah, I think Federer is done winning majors. He just looked old um, recently. But I think Murray, I mean, all Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer have had like a, a renaissance, like a mid-career renaissance, like after they turned 30. And I think Murray is going to have one of those as well. And so he could win the U.S. Open. Um, yeah, I just... I'm not going to predict someone other than the big three or four winning a major until it's, like, happened. <laughs> what do you think, yeah. Peter? I think, um, I think the Aussie will be a mega Nadal Djokovic clash. Um, I think Nadal probably, I think Nadal probably could have played Paris and, um, the year end. But didn't he's like all in on Australia, um, and the that Wimbledon clash 
that could have gone either way, right? Yeah. Um, so that's a talk, that's a flip of a coin for sure. I think the ball would be healthy and primed and like ready to go in Australia. And there's like, like it's not just Djokovic will be on stop. I think I will be shocked if one of those two loses before the final. I mean, um, I wouldn't be shocked if Nadal got injured. Yeah, with, yeah, without an injury. But I actually kind of would because I think it's going to be one of those tournaments where he just crushes people. Um, and when he gets injured, it's usually when like matches last longer than they should in the early rounds. Um, and then the French, yeah, I think it's again, it's going to be either Djokovic or Nadal. Then it becomes Wimbledon or the U.S. Open. And then I think the field really opens up. I think Murray find, Murray gets healthy and is a is a threat at Wimbledon too. Um, and Federer is always a, a threat at Wimbledon. And uh, then and if Zverev is is uh, yeah, I think Zverev could be a threat. I think. Um, but yeah, I'm the same way as Philip. I just. These guys are just so much more talented than everyone else that even even if they're aging, you still have to prove it before you, you can actually bet on the, the person who's going to beat them. Will have to prove it prove it first before you actually bet on that person. Yeah, I don't think there's enough time for any of those guys. Like, if Delpo was healthy with the heat in Australia, I would say he would be a serious force, but I don't think he'll be healthy enough. Anderson will be tough. There'll be a bunch. Wimbledon's going to be tough. I think there'll be like six or seven people who make it really difficult for Fed and Joker to, to take it. I mean, they may take it, one of those two, but I don't think they'll make it easy on them. And then U.S. Open will just be a little bit of kind of who wants it the most. Uh, and that should be the most wide open, probably. That's probably literally any one of eight or ten people. And I'll include Kachnikov. Um, even Corinth in there. I think that the stars will be a little tired by then. So that, I mean, that's way ahead, but I, but I think that'll be a little more of a free for all. Yeah, yeah, it usually is. I think, I think they know that their window of opportunity, the big three know that their window of opportunity isn't that long, maybe two years. So they're going to try to, they're going to try to, um, you know, pad their stats a little bit. I think they'll go all in until the end of 2020. And then God knows what will happen from there. That would have been an incredible run. That would have been 15 years of dominance if they can make it to 2020. That's like unprecedented. I think they know how to pace themselves. I think they know when to, I think they know when to turn on the afterburner and and the young guys tend to burn themselves out a little bit too much. And so I think that they, they benefit from both of that. They're like, look at amount of, guys under 25 who win a Masters 1000 to make the finals before a major and then lose in the first or second round. Yeah. I think it'll be not like they're all going to turn off at the same time. Yeah. I think Federer's going to this This year's Wimbledon, I think, is Federer's last major chance where he's a contender. I think that Nadal really cares a lot about about the Olympics. And because 2020 has the Olympics, I think the doll will be able to like stay primed and stay motivated and stay like on top of his game 
um, through like 2020, but then he's going to be shell of himself. Um, and then Djokovic has like four, like five years left. That'd be interesting. What do you think? Are you, do you think that the changing of the rules of Wimbledon, again, we, we, this is a conversation we'll revisit. Are you, are you glad about they made that change? Do you think that the other tournaments should go that exact same route? I mean, I guess the Aussie does, or or do the Aussie as the tiebreaker? I don't think they do in this instant, right? Wait, so what exactly was the rule at Wimbledon? We are they uh, it's a tiebreaker at twelve twelve. Oh yeah. Or are we making that up? I think that's no, no, the rule. No. I think that sounds right. And yeah, I think that's a good one, just because that Isner Anderson match was so insufferable. And nobody wanted to watch it because Nadal and, and Djokovic was on next, so you were just like <laughs> hoping yeah. it would end soon, but there was no end in sight. They both had to apologize. Uh, yeah. do, you, do you think that's? Um, do you think all tournaments should go that go that route? Um, the twelve twelve. Yeah. So do you think the other majors should do twelve twelve tiebreaker? Does I don't think they actually have a limit. I think there were some women's matches. Last year, there were like 18-16 or 2018. Yeah, the only one with a tiebreaker is the U.S. right now, or before this rule change. I think it was uh, it was most necessary for Wimbledon because it's grass and it can't actually last forever. I think Nicholas Mahout and um, John Isner are going to... This is really good for their legacies because they're going to own all the records ever in terms of most of anything in a single match. Um, and yeah, they're the only people ever to uh, play longer than a cricket, uh, than like a world cup cricket match. But <laughs> <laughs> like most aces in a match, most winners in a match, most years in a match, most forehand winners, most forehand, most back <laughs> most double bumps, <laughs> most unforced errors, <laughs> most bathroom breaks. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like, I don't know. I actually think it, I think 12-12 makes a lot of sense. Maybe 10-all, maybe. But I think it should go longer than 6-all yeah. um, if it's a deciding set. But once it gets to, like, 12, then might as well play a tiebreak. Uh, yeah, I say, I say make them earn the next round. I'm all for the 12-12. I mean, is that Djokovic's... Uh, Nadal match went to thirteen eleven. I don't think the quality of play would have dropped much. Fourteen so, twelve. After that, it probably would have. So, so yeah, I, w- he, I would, I will alter the rule a slight bit. I would think that the finals should be able to be played indefinitely, but everything until the finals should have like a twelve all tiebreaker. Good call. Because like, how much play. does it suck when the World Cup final is a is a penalty sh- is in penalty kicks, like. It, it doesn't matter until the finals, but you sort of want whoever's going to win it to like win it outright. Yeah. There's no tomorrow, so what's you, you can't you can uh, you can do that. So let's see another. Some people seem to have made a pretty decent not not comeback player of the year, but like a good resurgence. Gasquet, I don't know if he's top twenty now. Uh, Cole Schreiber, I mean, to a lesser extent, obviously Delpum being back in the top five. Who, who, who else kind of got back into the conversation that you had written off? I mean, you could include Stan in that, not to say that we wrote him off, but anybody else who's sort of back, at least, you know, getting into the second week of majors that you probably wouldn't have thought 
uh, would would even be would be doing that given prior year's results or given the given the arc of their career. I think Fognini. He's yeah. thirty one. He's thirty one years old. He's got a career high thirteen in the world, and um, he's been this like head case. He's like always been talented, but been like a head case, and um, he just had his best year ever. Good call. Yeah, I think Schwartzman had a really good season. Um, he's the only one got a set off. Think, yeah, he, like, he over. He made Rafa sweat in French a little bit. Made him sweat a little, at least. Yeah. And Radosco, 28 in the world, 35 years old, um, had a few good results. Like, I was not even that. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. That's really solid. That's Marco, like a, Yeah, that is solid. Marco Cecchinato, he's 20 in the world, pretty much because he made the semifinals of Roland Garros. <laughs> like, that's just never going to happen again, I don't think. Strip club. That's because all that money went. He, that's definite. He was with Golbus there the night. That <laughs> <laughs> night at the strip club. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's our uh, podcast to our listeners. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, we've really enjoyed it, and I hope you have too. So um, we'll see you in yeah. 2019. Have a good off season. <laughs>